Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There are things going on in this world. And uh, some of it has to do, and let's talk about this country, some of it, and, and then broader context as well. In this country, we're looking at um, an upcoming federal election, the latest in early 2025, could happen sooner, depending on uh, just how long this deal between the NDP and the Liberals manages to survive before it starts to take on water and do a political version of the Titanic. Uh, And, uh, well, the question I have is, have the liberals so harmed themselves that they can't possibly unharm themselves enough to win an election? I don't know if that's the truth, but at some point, when a government starts to fall, there's nothing that can stop it. When the the free fall hits certain momentum, there's no way to stop it. And I saw it, uh, we all saw it, those of us who were alive in the early 90s, we saw it with Brian Mulroney's a progressive conservative government. He stepped aside. Kim Campbell took over, and uh, yeah, it went uh, went down real fast. I knew uh, Kim Campbell reasonably well. She was in the pro on the air with me many times, and uh, they were left with two seats after the '93 election. Went from a majority government to two seats. It was Jean Charest. Does anybody know who the other MP was? I know my guest knows because we're we're going to talk politics a little bit. I talk something else first. Uh, Daryl Bricker, CEO of Ipsos Public Affairs, great uh, polling firm. And Daryl, of course, is the author of Next and co-author of Empty Planet, which is what we're going to talk about now. Do you remember who the other MP was, Daryl? Elsie Wayne from New Brunswick. Yeah, the the mayor of St. John. I I used to talk to her all the time. She was was a, a treasure. She was just tough as nails. And I said to her one day, how's it feel to... uh, being a caucus that you can fit inside a Volkswagen bug. And she said something to me that I'm not going to repeat here. <laughs> she was wonderful. How are you, Daryl? I'm doing well, Roy. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for doing this. So, you know, the conventional wisdom has been all along, or not all along, but certainly for many years, that the planet is just over, you know, we're here, it's overheating. But that the population growth is going to be so massive that we will not possibly be able to sustain it. Now, you and John Ibbotson wrote a book a number of years ago called Empty Planet, and it's it's happening. I was just looking at Elon Musk actually retweeted this. Japan had its largest total drop in population since 1968. U.S. population flatlining as birth rate stagnates. China's fertility rate hits record low, China. U.K. birth rate hits 20-year low. And Italy's birth rate drops to historic lows. So you and uh, John Ibbotson in your book, you, you saw this coming. You predicted this was going to happen. It's happening. So can you put this into some context for us? What does this actually mean, both pro and not so pro? Well, the reason it's happening, first of all, is because we've just stopped having kids. I mean, you, you mentioned before that uh, 
Uh, China just set a, a, a record in terms of the lowest fertility rate uh, that it's recorded. So is Canada. Um, our, our fertility rate has absolutely collapsed. And when you stop having kids, what happens is your population over time ages and then starts to shrink. Um, some people see that as a really good thing uh, because, it, you know, they're really focused on, for example, environmental issues. They feel that uh, there's too many people on the face of the earth and we're really uh, pressuring our environment to be able to provide for all of humanity. And, you know, there's a well-walked um, uh, path of people who've said this all the way going back to uh, to Malthus back in the during the Enlightenment, all the way up to Paul Ehrlich, and then there's other people who've been saying the same kind of thing. The population bomb is going to explode. But the truth is, what's really happening is the population is about to implode. And as I said before, the reason for that is because we've stopped having kids. Yeah, so um, is there a tempo here? Is there a, a template where we reach a certain number where we just cannot re, you know, continue? To yeah, we're, getting, we're getting there now, Roy. Are we really? I would say by the time we hit, you know, in the 2040s, the global population will probably be moving on average the median age into uh, uh, pushing into the 30s and then into the 40s. And, and the thing is that we get less capable of being able to reproduce ourselves every year, and that's because the female part of our population is getting older as well. And unless we find another way to produce people other than the old-fashioned way, um, this is an inevitable thing. And the thing about um, uh, this type of uh, population change is all the decisions have been made, right? We can, we can mark on a calendar, basically, when these things are going to happen. We're just going to be living through them. It's not a matter of arguing about whether or not it's going to happen. It's, it's already happening. So what's, uh, what's the upside going to be? of Because uh, I, I know in Empty Planet, you and John write about upsides and downsides. So what are the most, the most, what are the most noticeable upsides going to be? Well, the most notable upside is anything to do with the environment. If that's your number one issue, then you're going to be very happy about the scenario that I just described. If you believe that there's a correlation between the number of people on the earth and the effect that that's having on our climate and other aspects of our, uh, of our environment, if you reduce the denominator in the equation and you reduce the number of people, then things should go in the other direction. So people who are really focused on that are happy. Um, but if you're worried about the future of the economy, you should be very worried as a result of what's going to be happening to our population. It, it, it will be, uh, will it be a positive? I think I recall reading that, that you wrote that it's going to be a positive for women. Well, it is positive for women in the sense that all of that's, that all of that's being reflected in terms of population change, and the reason that we're going through uh, the decline in fertility is because women have more control over their ability uh, to make decisions about the size of family that they want to have. And the emancipation of women is a really obviously very positive story but one of the effects of this is that uh, we are seeing that women are deciding to have fewer, fewer kids uh, during their lifetime, and the effect of that on the global population is going to be significant because it, it would be something if it was in one country, but it's a really big thing because it's everywhere. In fact, there's no country that's fallen below you know, replacement rate fertility in the last while that's been able to find a way to get itself back up above replacement rate. So this is a, a global trend. Wow. And and the most noticeable downside of this uh, d diminishing population globally? Everything to do with economic growth. Uh, because not only is the population going to shrink, it's going to be very, very old. You know, normally we refl reflect the structure of populations as like a pyramid. Well, you know, lots of kids being born at the bottom, uh, you know, fewer adults at the top. Uh, what we're doing we're in the process now of doing, though, is flipping the pyramid. 
and there's a lot fewer kids being born and a lot more older people in the population. In fact, where most of the population growth in the world today is as a result of people not dying as fast as they used to, as opposed to, you know, large numbers of children being born. Yeah. So all of these numbers that I mentioned earlier about the, uh, that Elon Musk posted about the countries and their falling birth rates or stagnant birth rates, none of that's a surprise to you. It's, it's just the way it is now. No, it's, it's what John and I wrote about in, uh, in Empty Planet. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a fascinating story, though. How we got here is a really, really fascinating story. And um, so a lot of it is very positive. But the consequences of this are going to be very, very significant in the future. And what troubles me, Roy, is that very few people are even aware of this and very few governments are preparing for it. There are some governments that are actually in the throes of dealing with it right now, Japan being one that you mentioned. Japan loses about half a million people from its population. I think the last time I looked, it was 650,000 people from its population every year. Wow. 650,000 wow. people. That's a, that's a fair-sized city. 50,000. Spain loses 50,000. There are countries now that are in absolute, I think it's over 30 now, that are absolutely in the position where they are shrinking every year, and there's no possibility that that, that will change unless they have a significant amounts of immigration. Yeah, well, 650,000 people. That's a, that's a significant city. That's like the city of Hamilton. Yeah, and, and if you look at the median age of a person in Japan today, they're, it's 48. So it's half the population yeah. is older and half the population is younger. But 48 years old is not a population that can reproduce itself through natural reproduction. No. The, the time is now gone. It's, and the, it's over. And the blue pill isn't the answer. Nope. The blue pill is not the answer because it, it's the, it, men can continue to produce children until quite late in their lives, but women typically after the age of 40, it gets very, very difficult. Although one of the trends that we've seen, Roy, is that the birth rate, for example, in the United States among women over the age of 40 is higher than it is uh, for women 20 years of age or, or younger. So we're waiting a long time to have kids. And as a result of that, what, what we're doing is we're having far fewer of them. Yeah. This is really, really fascinating. Empty planet. We need to talk about this in more, more detail, Daryl. I'd like to do that in uh, not, not the not-too-distant future. Uh, and uh, somebody said to me, the blue pill is just God's way of telling you it's somebody else's turn. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Daryl Bricker, whose book next, I keep telling you this, and I've been saying it since the book was published, is one of the best reads about what's coming our way in Canada. Should be in every house in this country. You want to know what's coming our way? What's going to happen in Canada? This isn't done with a crystal ball. This is Daryl's research. Uh, get next and make sure it's in your house. Make sure you read it and your kids read it. So, so Daryl, I've been watching the, uh, we all have been watching the liberals and the conservatives federally. And it seems like Mr. Trudeau and Mr. Polyev are fine-tuning themselves. I don't see that from Mr. Singh, but they're fine-tuning themselves, getting ready for the election, whenever that happens. Polyev uh, changing his image. We talked to him about that on the program a couple of weeks ago. This question, as the liberals continue, and I'll ask you whether it's your sense that they're continuing their slide, and if they are, does there come a point where a political party has slid so far that they can't come back, that there's no recovery possible? And I mentioned earlier the Mulroney progressive conservatives in the early 90s to me were the example of that, but are the liberals there? Are they approaching it? What's the current status do you see it as? Well, they're certainly in a speed wobble. I mean, the, uh, they are getting now to the position where it's very difficult to see how they 
win the next federal election. I know your listeners are sitting there saying, well, it didn't look like they were going to win the last two federal elections. They lost the popular vote. Well, but they lost the popular vote by maybe one, one and a half points. If the current uh, tranche of polling can be believed, they're trailing by anywhere between eight and 13. Wow, and that's uh, big. If, you're, if you're trailing by that much, you will not win. And what's really uh, happened is that uh, Canadians have very much soured uh, on the prime minister. Uh, this is uh, all they know about the government basically is him. And as a result of that, you know, what makes you strong in 2015 makes you weak in 2023. So it's all about him, and he is definitely on the downslide with Canadians. And I, I, tell me about uh, Christian Freeland, the Deputy Prime Minister, Finance Minister. I, I don't, I, and when I talk to people uh, on the air, off the air, there's not a great deal of enthusiasm that I hear from Ms. Freeland. Well, first of all, this government is so eclipsed by the personality of the Prime Minister that, you know, people like yourself and, and, and me and maybe some of the people that you talk to who follow this much more closely know who Christopher Freeland is. Most Canadians don't know who Christopher Freeland is. Uh, she has not really? made an impression um, of any strength uh, with, with Canadians. Um, you know, there are some people who obviously like her a lot. There's some people who really don't like her very much. But she is not what this government is about. This government is about the prime minister. And his negatives are about as high as I've seen for any national leader in Canada. So that would, they would be close to what normal Mulroney would have been in the early 90s? Yeah, we're kind of looking at those numbers. I mean, you know, people look back to the 2015 election and they say, you know, Stephen Harper really got beaten very badly. Stephen Harper got 32% of the vote. If we can believe some of the polling that we're seeing with the current liberal liberal government, they're they're in the 20s. Yeah. That's wow. way worse. I keep saying and wow. And the, the big problem they have, Roy, is that if the seat models can be believed, and so these are the projections of the number of seats that, uh, that uh, the various parties will win if an election were held based on... Um, on the current polling, um, the NDP and the Liberals together are very far away from having enough seats to form a majority. Very far. Very far. That's very interesting. Um, you know, I, I keep going back to, uh, I don't know how significant this is, but in his own writing in, uh, in, uh, in Montreal, Mr. Trudeau's had his personal popularity, his personal popularity numbers, support numbers, if you measure them against 2015, they went down in 2019. This is in his writing of Papineau. Went down from 2015, uh, went down in 2019, from 2015, went down again in 2021. So I thought, what sitting prime minister loses support in his own writing? Yeah, no, he's uh, he's really in a difficult spot. Now, as a, you know, a, a person who likes to be responsible about this, you know, one of the things that I'm, I always have to say in my disclosure statement is anything can happen, right? but it's very hard to see what anything is. So does Polyev have to do anything, or can he just essentially uh, back off a bit, change the image, soften things up a bit, and ride the wave? Well, that's basically what it is. I mean, it, politics tends less to be about a lot less about campaign antics than people tend to think it is, or people suggest that it is, it tends to be more about whether or not you catch a wave. And right now, a, a wave of, of change is building in the country. It's building very strongly in the country. And as a result, um, uh, you know, Pierre Polyev, provided he, we don't learn something we really don't know about him that would really turn us off, um, is in a good position to win this next election, simply based on, uh, on the, the public opinion numbers. 
Um, and, uh, you know, once it's, it's interesting, right? Uh, public consensus tends to form. Um, and the way it forms uh, around governments is people start thinking things, and then they start hearing other people say things mm-hmm. that confirm what they believe. And what you're starting to see right now is that the polling numbers suggesting that a lot of Canadians are, are uncomfortable with the current government or not happy with the current government. People who are sort of feeling, you know, a little bit um, uh, uh, not not particularly good right now about the direction right. of the country, not particularly good about the, the government are saying, right. oh, you know what? Maybe I'm not the only one. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.